Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. We talk to a different creative person every week about how they do their thing. And this week, uh, we're putting the podcast up a little early because we want to catch the last weekend of a solo show by D-Lo. Now, D-Lo is an actor, writer, comedian, a transgender, queer, Tamil, Sri Lankan, American, um, and his show, Defunct, is currently playing at the LA Gay and Lesbian Center for one more weekend. So we're putting this up on Thursday and hope that you can check it out this weekend. I caught the show. It is such a ride, so original, so inspired, reminded me of... uh, John Leguizamo a little bit, and um, it really um, showed a, a story that I hadn't heard before and told it in a really wonderful way. So uh, before we get to D-Lo, a little housekeeping. Um, if you want to rate the podcast on iTunes, it really helps uh, to shoot me a few stars that way. It helps people find us. Um, also, I keep forgetting to tell you to like my Facebook page. So if you like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page, that would make me very happy. Um, also, go to DennisAnyone.net. You can do a lot of fun stuff there, including uh, you can help me keep the podcast free. There's a donate uh, button there, and you can do a little PayPal tip, which is great. And I'd like to thank Elaine Canali for her generous donation. Um, it just helps me handle the expenses of, of uh, doing this baby. So... Anyway, let's get on to D-Lo. Um, we met in my car. It was like a, it was like a, I don't know, kind of a, a it was a afternoon, right in the, it was so hot and sweaty in the car, and it was kind of like a fun drug deal situation, like hop in, yeah, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, so was the show, so go see D-Lo in Defunct if you're in Los Angeles, and if not, just, uh, just enjoy. All right, bye. All right, I am here in my car in Echo Park, and I'm going to interview D-Lo, the star of the show that's currently running at the Gay and Lesbian Center, Defunct. Welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you, and welcome to your wonderful Prius. I know, this is the first time I think I've done this in my car. Oh. So that's, I feel like, like that's a big honor. We're both getting divergenized. That's right, we totally are. Now, I have to say, uh, here's a little about your background. You're a queer, transgender, Tamil, Sri Lankan, American interdisciplinary artist uh who you do poetry spoken word stand-up all of that and i think you're the first of those that i've had on the show oh well, so that's good yeah 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 chris is calling chris is calling well he can just wait yeah okay uh remind me uh i can't when i get home okay um so your show is delightful thank you how would you describe it to people that haven't seen it if you just met somebody in a coffee shop and they said hey i hear you're doing a show what's it like uh, I would say that it's very much in the vein of solo one-person shows, uh, but mine is very heavy on the comedy. It's pretty fast-paced, I would say. Right. There's not a whole lot of quiet, pausing moments. Um, and um, and if I'm going to take you to the funniest high, I aim to also take you to the... I wouldn't say it's the lowest low, but the, you know, I'm a, I'm a go there. I'm a dip emotionally. You sure do. Do you, do you like those parts of the show? Are they, do you like them all equally or is it, are some harder to write, harder to perform? Mm -hmm. I like them. Um, I like them together. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to just only perform more serious, um, heart wrenching work. And I mean, I'm okay doing stand up and more comedic stuff, but it's always based in some sort of absurdity or um, ignorance, bigotry. Like, there's always some sort of bigotry that that pushes that 
story to come out. Right. Um, so, but but I like them both together. That's my preference. There you go. And the staging is fantastic. The yeah. lights, the sound, That's the production. Ken. Yeah. It's got, it reminded me a little of a, like John Leguizamo, like that energy, that sort of, that sort I, of thing. That, I will take that as a compliment. That's Good. definitely one of my idols, if not like the idol. Um, I've seen a lot of people's solo work and I just, I love his, um, I love his energy, yes. But I also love that he can make the audience dip with him and he's not afraid to be vulnerable. I mean, I, I, the last show that I saw of his was Ghetto Clown, and I saw it in many different iterations because I was there when it was getting um, workshopped in Ber- at Berkeley Rep. Right. And where it landed in its finality, I'm, I was actually a little bit disappointed because I had saw all this other great material that was in the workshop production. But, you know. That's what happens. That's what happens, and he always has stayed true to who he is and what he does and why he does it. So, now is this this type of production? Is it kind of? I know you've done a lot of uh, one person performing and stuff like that, but this theatricality was it sort of a, a step forward for you, or was it a new kind of thing for you, or was it just what you normally do? Um, in a lot of ways, it was exactly what I've been doing. Right. Um, the ways in which it was different was that this is the first time I've been completely self-produced. Yeah. Um, you know, what's different is that I didn't have to spend a dime of mine in this production. Um, that's so nice. It's amazing. And the, you know, all the technicians and the designers at the LGBT center, you know, like people might think, oh yeah, it's the LGBT center. It's going to be, you know, community kind of feel. Right. But these folks are just really top-notch, incredible, professional, amazing designers, artists, technicians. And I feel like I've been offered a really outstanding crew to support this show. And I feel, I, I honestly feel supported like I've never felt before. Because before, when you do solo shows, um, they might be co-produced, so I'm self-producing as well. Or they're produced, but through a grant, and maybe that's like a weekend. Right. Um, I'm still lugging around my own stuff. I'm still pretty much doing everything. Right. And we're still rolling. Yeah, we're good. I was just check- double-checking, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never recorded in my car before, but uh, this time you have the support of a great professional team and stuff like that. I think a lot of people uh, that might come to a show at the center probably have no – don't know – Maybe you don't know your work from before. Right. Uh, what What have been some of the reactions that of people coming out and some of the kind of conversations you've had afterwards? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of this audience has been a lot of folks that have supported my work throughout the years. So right. I've heard more about how I've changed right. in their eyes. Because um, I was also in New York for a long time, so th- I wasn't gigging as much in Los Angeles. Right. From people who have never seen my work before, you know, I'll get everything from, you know, oh, wow, this was amazing. I never even thought about what it could be like for somebody like you to, um, I never have seen a performer like you to, um, you know, everything is just new to yeah people who aren't necessarily in either a people of color or queer people of color community setting. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I think that some of the people who are more cisgender straight actors, like more people who are in that craft of acting, would never have, um, all, or, or I don't know if they would have imagined, but they are definitely shocked that um, there's talent in this body. That's the other thing that I feel that I'm getting, like, oh, you're so talented, and I feel like... it's like, not just like you're, you know, in some workshop telling your story or right, whatever, like you right. actually have skills. But are, exactly, and, right. and, and the thing is, I find that so funny because I know a lot of amazing queer people of color who are incredibly talented, incredible, phenomenally talented people, but because their work never gets to see the, see the light of day... People just assume that if it's not out there on the main stage, that it doesn't exist. It must not be that good. Or... It must not be that good. It's just, you know, queer people, gay people doing their thing. Or right. like, God forbid, rolling around on the stage naked. Or, you know, something like that. Right. But, but, you know, I always... It's it's almost like when white people tell people of color, Oh, you're so articulate. You know, like, yeah. it's that... <laughs> it's a little bit patronizing. Yeah, exactly. Now, you talk about your family. And I love when you, you do your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's has she seen you do her? And... She has. She's seen me do in full costume actually, because yeah. my shows prior to this one were where I would uh, don costumes. That's something that I really, really enjoy. Um, I love being able to show how the gender queer body, the gender nonconforming, the one that holds a lot of mixed energies, can transform, and in a way that is not typically what you find in like you know just straight up drag performances right. or when. Uh, a straight person, cis person, tries to change forms. Um, so I actually don a full sari and a wig and, and all of that. And I'll wax my arms and do all of that. And she saw that character in its earlier version in 2004 in India. Wow. Yeah, I was asked to go there to be a part of a festival called The Other Festival. And she was terrified. She told me not to talk about being queer and all of this. And I said, that's actually why they asked me to come. That's kind of the show. (laughs) Yeah. And and then then after that, like slowly and slowly, she started becoming more and more open to um, me doing work that was autobiographical and and largely about my relationship with her. And then um, in 2012, I took this show in a short and condensed version that was already touring Indiana Six City tour through right. another festival, and we had an opportunity to bring it to Sri Lanka. And my mother happened to be there as well. My father was there too, but he didn't want to come. And then um, she came. Was she living she, there, or she, she happened to she, be no, there? No, she was there. They go for about a month to be with yeah. family, sure. and, to, um, and they're older, so they have more time to, you know, chill now. Right. I guess. Um, and so she was there, and she came with me to tech, and she was intrigued, and she wanted to come. And I said, okay, you come, but you got to stay in the back. And she, I could see her from the stage. She was dying, and I In a good her. way or a bad in way? In a great way. In a way that she was, she couldn't wait till I started talking about her. Yeah. Because <laughs> then she could, to see how the audience was reacting to what she was saying through my characterization of her. And she had a good time. That's so cool. Yeah, and, and do you actually, feel like the show helped her deepen her understanding of of your relationship and I your journey? I feel like throughout my life, and what she has seen of the work, it has definitely changed our relationship. Um, 
she, when I do that character of her, it's of her talking about her, you know, the regret or the remorse or the grief around having to lose a very passing daughter and having to deal with this other one that is just trans, queer. Not what she expected at all. Exactly. And so, um, you know, I think that for her, you know, somebody who she comes from a culture where you don't talk about anything from the smallest to the biggest, you just buck up and survive and move to the next point. Um, for her to hear my characterization of her and to hear these things that she's definitely thought but maybe not said out loud um, and to have the audience around her not judge the character also gave her some freedom. Right. If if, if she felt guilty about anything, she felt understood in a way. Exactly, exactly. And then um, with this show, well, a couple of things. My partner is the one who kind of massaged our overall family relationship in just the way she is. She's a very magical person. Right. Um, By the time that the show came up in Sri Lanka, she was already, you know, on her way to... Your mother was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was that, because, you know, after the show, I got this big spread in the Lanka Times. Of course. Like you're... Yeah. And so, and she actually was okay with my father, on the other hand, was not okay with any of that. But it was just beautiful to see how somebody who was never, I never thought she would ever be okay by me. And now here she was almost like my strongest ally in my family. That's so so beautiful. And there's a moment near the end of your show where you get, you hint at the direction that that's going. It's really, really lovely. I don't want to give it away. Does she give you any little notes like, oh, do I really hold my hand like that? Or I don't know about the voice. Or does she say anything funny like that? No, she doesn't. In fact, but see, that's the other thing. Some of our relations, our cousins, they, they see the work and they're like, oh my God, that is Sitanti to the T, you know? Right. Um, like, yeah, no, she doesn't give any notes. If anything, she's like, okay, now you must give me some money, 25%. <laughs> she wants 25%? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like All right. that. I like the way she thinks. Now, you spent part of your upbringing in Lancaster, mm-hmm. California. How old were you when you moved there? Two. You were two. So almost your whole... My whole life. Yeah, your whole life was in Lancaster. Yeah. Then what? when I was 21, I moved to New York. Right. So have you spent time overseas in Sri Lanka or mm-hmm. much time, uh, you know? Uh, yeah, we our relations are still there in Sri Lanka. And, um, you know, I spend as much time as I possibly can until it gets like, because, you know, it's still What's not, it like there? Queer-wise or? Queer-wise or just lifestyle-wise? or You know, Sri Lanka is a very beautiful country. It's an yeah. island, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, it's like Bali or Hawaii or the coastal areas of India. But... You know, there's, it's been, it's had war there forever. It, there's a lot of racism to, amongst the ethnic communities there. The, the majority single Buddhists and the Tamil population, of which that's my ancestry. Right. Um, there's so many political things that are happening there and therefore a lot of corruption as well. Right. But, you know, it's uh, the number, it's one of the top surf spots yeah. It's one of it, it's like a destination spot for a lot of tourists. Like tourism is a big, you know. Yeah. Do you surf? Thing. I don't. Right. Um, but I love the beaches there and I just love, you know, on occasion we do get to go into the areas that in which my parents were raised um which used to be 
you like you couldn't go up there because of the war. Right. So you know, there's a there's a lot of tug tug and tug of war with the with the island, because at the same time, if I was passing more, it would be a lot easier for me to navigate getting around in Sri Lanka. But when you say passing, you mean passing for male, for a guy. yeah, yeah. So you know, it's there's just multiple layers of like what it, how I have to negotiate around my safety, right? Um. You know, when it, when it was wartime, you know, re- relatives were like, don't go anywhere. You never know where the bombing is going to be. And, Ugh. you know, just things like that. So uh, it's my favorite place to go because I have so many people. My family is there. At the same time, it's the worst place for me to go because there's so much other shit that doesn't allow me to just be free in, right. in how I walk, you know? Right. There's all these other things you have to consider. Yeah. Um, so Lancaster... Lancaster. What a place to end up. Where is that? Central California? No, it's is actually it? just an hour away okay. from here. Yeah. Um, it's about an hour and 15 from Santa Monica. But, um, right. But it is, um, you know, it's the high desert. Right. And, um, you know, how the whole bunch of Sri Lankan people we knew went over there was because um, my father's batchmate had come out here and they were in need of doctors. My father was a doctor, is a doctor. Right. So he went there and so did some other families. And so basically it was just really small in the beginning. But then you have things like sponsoring relatives to come to the states, political asylum, stuff like that, refugee, whatever. So the community just kept growing and growing and growing. Right. So it became it became a, an enclave of mm-hmm, sorts. Mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you picked a few questions from the observation deck. Let's yes. look at some of these. Okay. And then so, I'll probably have more questions for you about your show. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Yes. Is that, you know, tech wasn't working. So right. when tech's not working, that means that I have to figure out uh, how things go. You just um, have to wing it. I have to wing it. The worst part was that just last week the mic went out and it was on a day where we had a group from Skid Row there so already the energy was a little bit more subdued than the rowdiness that usually is there. You brought in people from Skid Row to see the show? Um, Christina Wong who's a colleague of mine is doing a workshop thing with people in an organization that um, provides services and uh, a place just to like empower I guess. To be. Yeah so so they, they came. Um, the worst thing that's ever happened to me on stage has happened in my dreams, and I hope to God it never. <laughs> what What do you happens. dream about? I dream that I forget the lines, that I'm teching for one show, but I've only prepared for the other show. Right. It's that that sort of twist on the actor's nightmare, of course. Yes. All right. What else do you got? What are you good at that might surprise people? Yeah. Two things. I'm good at spit bubbles, and I'm good at um, organizing. So... Sometimes I'll just go into a place and I'll be like, oh, I know exactly how this place needs to get. Yeah. Excuse me while I get out my exactly. brother P-Touch 3 and you like to, like, uh, what about spit bubbles? You can make a bubble right now make, out of spit? Uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> Since I've been talking, it's harder. Yeah. All right. I'll talk for a while. Look at that. There you go. I oh, and then sometimes they fly into the sky. Oh, it's is that a big right da- is that a big dating magnet? Is that turn Absolutely. people on? Yeah, girls love that. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. You're the first yeah. person I've ever had do that who's, as well. Whose job offers would you like to receive, John yeah. Leguizamo, Juan yes. Sykes? Yes. Uh, Ellen, let's throw that in there. I feel like Ellen has too many jobs. Yeah. So, so why not give some Spread jobs away? I don't exactly. like when people have too many jobs. What was your favorite or most memorable birthday? When I was 23, I had a, my birthday party in London in a big 
bling bling way, and meaning that we said it was a bling bling party, but it was basically just everybody wore their best. Right. Okay. It wasn't fancy. Yet. It was at my friend's house. Nice. Um, and then it, and then like two days later, I had to go to New York, and so we had another one. And mm-hmm. I will remember those two because I was, uh, you know, when you're young, you have a larger friend circle. Yeah. And fan base. So they were just like now if I call people for a party, I doubt I would even get a quarter of those. Is it about getting older? Because I think back at some of the parties that I used to have and how many people would come. And and you were kind of like, I don't think I could do that now. Is it because we're older and yeah, people would draw a little bit or you have kids or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or they're just older. Yeah. You know? Okay. It's not our... It's not that we've changed. No. And it's not that we became less uh, fun. Okay. Good. Thank you. What's the most crazy thing you've done in a pursuit of a crush? I have followed her to the airport to see her off and, uh, you know, kind of... I, at one point, I also um, proposed to somebody. Wow. So you followed somebody to the airport to see them off. How did they react? They were, they, fine with it. they were good. They were yeah, good. They were fine. And you proposed. How did it go? No, that was another. A different airports time. are a big thing. I, I like to go all out at airports, apparently. I know. You like that Love Actually mm-hmm. moment. I just, you yes. know, it was before Love Actually. Oh, okay. so you sort of. I was pretty much the gangster on that one. <laughs> what would you like to do in a job that you haven't gotten, to, gotten yeah. yet? How about not to do, but to have? I, would, I just love dressing rooms. Yeah. I feel like that's almost the equivalent of a really. <coughs> <coughs> I feel like it's. I feel like dressing rooms with your name on it that are yours for an extended period of time is the version of getting better and better hotel rooms. Yeah, it's like moving <coughs> on. A, it's like okay, now I'm at a new place. <coughs> exactly, like uh, the best Western won't cut it anymore. No, you need a dressing room and you need your stuff. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I have a good story for this. We could save that for. Okay, later. we'll save that for later. Coolest thing you ever got for free. It wasn't the coolest thing. It was just that moment in my life where I was starting to get more play in my career and I got a bunch of Fat Farm stuff from, you know, Russell Simmons' Deaf Poetry Jam. Right on. Because I taped for that. It didn't air because I choked like Eminem on 8 Mile, but... Oh, shit. I, um... So can you enjoy the clothes or does it bring back bad memories? No, I could totally enjoy it. I I hella enjoy... Free shit, you know? Yeah, free shit. I'm very fickle. Free shit, Yeah. All right. Where's the weirdest place you've ever seen your own image? Yeah. On a tree in Sri Lanka. You were on a tree? Like somebody carved your or a picture? No, was it, was taped a, up. it was taped up. But it was very random. It was like in the middle of nowhere. Like you were a lost dog or yeah. something. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it, was there a flyer to it? Was it a yeah, flyer? Yeah, it was a flyer. Yeah. But like there weren't other flyers on there. Yeah, the, like why? Okay. It's random tree. Maybe it was a sign from the universe. Yeah. All right. Something. What's the most, who's the most famous person you've ever been in the elevator with? Vivica Fox in North Carolina. And I nearly like, I I didn't know whether to propose or (laughs) chase her to the airport or chase her to the airport. Exactly. Vivica Fox. And this was like, which is she like kind of your type or do you have a type? She's your type. You're nodding. Okay. Like she was wearing this white pantsuit. Yeah. And she was smelt so great. And right. the elevator just felt like heaven, and I just wanted to stay in it <laughs> all throughout. You just wanted to stay in the elevator and with Vivica me, A. Fox. And she told me that my suit was nice, yeah. and I couldn't even I, I couldn't even speak. I was like, thanks. That's <laughs> amazing. And where were you at? Where was the it elevator? Was like North Carolina. I was there for somebody's wedding. Okay. What's the worst costume or uniform you've ever had to work? Where to work? Um, actually, I was more thinking how I had to be Ernie for Halloween. Yeah. When I was little, like every year. 
like Bert and Ernie. Yeah. And you weren't feeling it. One year would have been fine. Yeah, or the second year, but like by the time the plastic pants had yeah. rips in them and you were just that. like, I'm done. Let's move on. Most embarrassing CD you have in your collection? Yeah. Millie Vanilli, but I'm still not embarrassed. No, those are good songs. Those Girl, are great you know it's true. You know, what's the worst thing you've ever gotten? Gone? Okay, so you did that. There. You went all the way through. Yep. All right, cool. Um, so your show is playing this weekend as the last weekend. Um, what do you think of this? It feels like, just from my point of view, we're having a moment, the trans moment or something in the media and all yeah. of that. How do you feel about that? What are your we're, thoughts we're about it? Is, is it a moment or is it must be a moment in a way? It's a, it's a moment or it's actually just like people are okay enough to talk about this shit now. Yeah. Can I say shit? Yeah. Okay. You can say shit. You can say all of it. Okay. But does that, is that stopping the killing of trans people? No. You know, like you can have... You can talk about how it's bad to rape women, and yet women get raped all the time. You could talk about how tolerance, that we should have tolerance in dealing with everybody, and trans women are getting killed on the daily. Like, <clears throat> I'm just grateful that we're talking about it now, but right, has it changed step. anything? Yeah. I, I, I would, no. Yeah. Not in my eyes. Not in what you, you've observed. Not in what I've observed. Is it getting... Um, I don't like to say, is it getting better? Is it becoming easier for trans people to feel like they they should be able to exist? Yes. I feel like if, you know, when I was younger, I thought that I was going to kill myself by 30 if nothing changed in that arena of acceptance. Right. And, you know, I'm still here. And You're in your 30s. I think it's worth it. Yes. Yeah. And... It's, it's, for you know, but then it also depends, like on what factors, like where do you live, who are your support system, uh, like how do people treat you, like all of that. On the day to day basis. <clears throat> On the day to day, so that that in a certain respect, I feel like at least if it's being talked about in the mainstream, in the mainstream, at least if trans issues are being talked about in the mainstream media, then that's a good thing because yeah. that means that like. You know, rednecks on the sitting on their couch flipping through the stations might actually get to hear some thoughtful remarks from either trans people or allies. What did you think? Did you watch the Bruce Jenner interview? I didn't. I read some transcript, but I didn't get to actually see the interview. I thought it was pretty good, just from my point of view. Yeah. Like, I, I, I. He's super. Co- oh, sorry, Go I'm ahead. saying the wrong pronoun because I guess Bruce doesn't. I got the with. feeling that he, as of that interview, he was still a he. Yeah. And then the, the... Well, I will use a gender-neutral pronoun yes. and say that, um, you know, Bruce is still a Republican and a conservative. That was the mind-blowing thing for me. And the moment that that Diane Sawyer goes, you're a Republican, he goes, yeah, I mean, look around. Like, he sort of, it was the most telling, The I think, the moment in the whole thing where he revealed maybe more than he might have wanted to looking yeah. back. Because he was sort of saying, look, I'm rich. Of course yeah. I'm a Republican. Yeah. And it was that was the moment, that was the most, like, um, eyebrow-raising moment because of the whole see, thing. Yeah, so, so many queer people of color don't have that kind of reality and don't have, don't have aren't even close to understanding their own lives in the way that Bruce does their right. own. Yeah. So it's. I feel like it, there might be some wonderful things that come out with Bruce's coming out, but right. there's also the this. Now it's like other people are like, "Oh, great! Now that that has happened, we have to work around this in order to do all this other stuff." And I'm not saying that 
who Bruce is and what they're doing isn't important. Right. Um, but I am saying that, you know, sometimes even with the best of intentions, you can cause great harm because it's not white, white people that are at risk in the same way that people of color are. Right. And especially in the trans community and especially on economic lines, you know, are there, is there a difference, uh, in the way people are treated, between a trans man or a trans woman in terms of like, I don't know, in the media or in the day-to-day or... Yeah. Are there differences, subtle differences? I think that there are. I think that there are. I mean, some of it just might be my opinions and my observations, but I feel like, you know, transitioning from female to male or, you know, trans-masculine is not... It might not be perceived as, like, the threat is different to the heteropatriarchal world. It is that, you know, you know, the the threat is around masculinity in regards to how, uh, like, ah, there's so many things that I could say right now. Let me just make this really concise. Okay. Yes, I do believe there's a difference in the way that trans people are treated all across the board. Passing, not passing, trans masculine, trans feminine, of color or not. Um, I think that all of it, though, goes back to a white heterosexual patriarchal gaze. And I think that it, and I'm not trying to sound academic here, but I feel like you're treated in a specific way through the by the world based off of how you are perceived as a threat to that establishment. To that power base. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. What is something about your life now that would blow the mind of your little kid self? That I'm able to make a living. Not Maybe not a big living, but right. that I'm able to make a living. Now, what will really make my little kid's head swell and turn and fall off maybe is the fact that once I do get an agent or a manager, somebody who believes in me and my work so much so that they're willing to see me as a, a cash cow. Right. When they can see dollar signs when, when they, they look at see, you. That's going to be kind of like where I feel like, Oh damn, I think I won because yeah. you know, it's not about the trans moment. It's really about like the talent. You know what I'm saying? And it's before all of the reality shows and how they will, like, make trans people look bad or, like, caricatures or freaks or whatever. This is, if somebody can look at me and be like, what based off of what you do, I can see us moving forward together or, you know, making something and and understanding my vision that I'm not just an acting body, but I'm also going to say things. Right. Um, That's, that will be what will make my little kid's head. Like wow, like, blow your mind. Because I, I tr- as a youngster, I thought that I would have to stay behind the scenes and I wouldn't be allowed to be in the front because of who I was and how I walked in this world. Yeah, I remember when I saw there was a movie called The Object of My Affection with Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. Yes, and he played I a gay that. guy. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, at that time in my life, it really moved me. But I remember watching that movie and the camera was on him and he played a gay character. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my god, we get close-ups. Yeah. 
I thought know. we got close-ups. I know. That's so deep. I know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there were other movies and things like that. But in that moment, in that time in my life, um, you were on Looking, right? Mm-hmm. Love that show. Thank you. Was it a fun time? It was a fun time. I was only on season one. And I was yeah. hoping for a season three to get Dom his restaurant because I'm his friend and the yes. his, his sous chef friend. I wanted to um, go to that restaurant. I, I want to go to that little booth and I know. get a thing. Get the peri-peri. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was unfortunate that it got canceled. But... You know, I, I'm more success to the people who have created that. And I'm sure that they have brilliant things up their sleeves around doing other things. Yeah, but you had a good time doing it. I did. Everybody on set was incredible and beautiful and amazing. I mean, I've been blessed. Every set that I've ever been on has been, it's been a queer-based thing. People are kind of in the know and treating me with the utmost respect. And I can't say that I've had total negative experience i mean there's gonna be things here and there but like where is that not gonna happen you know? yeah it's part of the game part of the game all right well your show runs this weekend mm-hmm. uh, friday saturday sunday yes and where can people get tickets um at through the uh la lgbt center friday and sunday are sold out oh wow um, so people better get their act together saturday is still low on numbers because like, apparently there's a bunch of stuff happening in the city on okay. the second so you know catch your tickets on catch it and then they can also do you have a website other yep. things twitter what's that my handle and my website is all the same yeah everything is under d loco kid that's d l o c o k i d that's one word okay dot com that's the website or Twitter, YouTube, everything is under D Local Kid. You could just type in D Local Kid and everything, Instagram, YouTube, everything will come. Okay, cool. You saved one, one question and, I, yes. and then I have one other question after that. So you want to do this one first? Do you have any scars? Or, we don't need to do that. You don't have the scar? Okay. So last question. What do you hope people get from your show? I hope that people walk away understanding that the world is bigger than what, they've see, what they perceive it to be. I hope that they walk away going, wow, there's so many different perspectives i just got a little minute an hour and a half in this person's shoes and you know there's so much more out there there's so many different other people that you know i hope that the world just becomes a better place through people treating people with kindness and respect knowing that we don't know each other's stories unless we do have like storytelling one person yeah. shows so why not give other people the benefit of the doubt and 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 really believe like look this person's doing the best they can yeah yeah i love that it's a great way to end it thank you so much thank for sitting you, in my hot car no, and uh and doing this interview and if you could see the show saturday night yep is the final show all right thank you so thank much thank you so much dennis bye all right my thanks again to Delo. check out defunct if you're in la i know you will enjoy it um all right so this happened i am gonna spare you any kind of tragic toilet-breaking fainting stories for a little while and just talk about something light and fun. Um, One of my favorite things about living in L.A. is that you occasionally get to go to movie screenings where the people are and they do interviews and talkbacks and uh, Q&As. And that can be horrible if the moderator's not good, but uh, sometimes it's awesome. And um, recently I went to a screening of Furious 7. I know that movie's been out a while, but I... uh, I was fainting over a toilet, so I, I haven't been able to tell you about it. But the writer was there. His name's, um, I think it's Chris Morgan. I'm checking this out right now. Chris Morgan. And first of all, he's really nice. So I don't have to resent him for his amazing success. But um, they were talking about the late Paul Walker. And he told this great story that I thought was really cool and I wanted to share. Um, I guess the producer, Neil Moritz, was being honored at some you know producer's kind of event. And he asked Paul if 
Paul would come and present the award. And Paul said, sure, just tell me where I need to be and what the time is. Of course, I'd love to be there. So Paul comes and he does the presentation, does a lovely job, stays the whole time. And, um, you know, near the end of the evening, he comes over to the, to Neil and, and the table and says, you know, is it okay if I cut out now? And he's like, sure. Yeah. Where do you, go, where do you, where are you going? And he goes, well, I'm going back to Tahiti. Um, I was on vacation. <laughs> His family was in vacation in Tahiti and he came all the way back to present this award and the screenwriter said, you know, a lot of actors, a lot of famous people wouldn't come across, across town to do something like that. But he flew all the way in from Tahiti to be there and, and to do that. So I thought that was a cool story. And, um, you know, I thought that was a silly, fun movie. So that's all I got. Um, until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you, D'Lo, for being a terrific guest in a sweaty car. And we'll c- catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!